Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to 90 Day with Mary Jane Kay. Today, I'll be giving my commentary on Happily Ever After, Season 7, Episode 2, Truth, Bitter Truth. The episode opens with Libby and Andre. They're having a housewarming party and they're super excited to have their family friends over to show off their house. Andre warns Elizabeth that he told her from the beginning that he doesn't want her family there. He thinks it's a bad idea. But Libby said her family are coming, so it doesn't matter. Andre doesn't want the drama spilling over affecting all of the people he invited. Andre tells his wife the people he invited to the party are intelligent people and they don't deal with crap. Andre says at the party he will be worried about Elizabeth's family because they're going to bring their problems. And Andre doesn't want to be a part of it anymore. He's stress-free now and he is concentrating on his work and he doesn't have any interest in participating in the drama. Andre thinks it's important to surround himself with successful people because that's how you build yourself in society. You don't kick it with scumbags. Andre invited Chuck's friend George, who works in the mortgage industry, and he hopes he can have him as an investor in the future. Andre needs to keep a good relationship with the business people, so he says Libby's sisters better not mess that up. He invited a lot of business people over to this housewarming to network. Becky tells Jen that only random people are here at the housewarming, and she says the reason why they are invited is clear. She says they aren't Andre's friends. Andre wants something from all the people he invited. Jen calls Andre an opportunist. Becky doesn't know who these people are that he invited, and she feels like Libby and Andre are the only people there at their housewarming that she knows. Jen says if it were her, she would feel awkward inviting her immigration attorney to her housewarming party. It is a little awkward. Libby mentions how she wants to get into music as she and some of her guests are touring the house. One guest used to sing professionally and she asks Libby to sing for her. And Libby tells her she isn't warmed up. She clearly doesn't want to sing. And her mom suggests that Libby sing the song that she sang at her wedding. But Libby doesn't want to do it. She doesn't like being put on the spot. The guest, who used to sing professionally, gets what Libby is saying, but she insists she would really love to hear just a little bit. Marisol, the ex-professional singer, says, If you are a professional like she is, when someone asks you to sing, you just turn it on. So she was taken aback by Libby's refusal to sing. But she says maybe Libby is just getting started. And maybe it's just more of a hobby for Libby than something she really wants to do as a professional. Marisol asks Libby what she is thinking of doing genre-wise. And Libby says she is thinking of doing nursery rhymes as Jen covers her mouth to hide her giggling. There's an awkward pause and a frown before Marisol tells Libby, that's interesting. Libby wants to make videos and she wants to sing with her daughter. And she says she knows that singing nursery rhymes is out there. It sounds ridiculous and people think that she's crazy. But she says there's a market for children and somebody has got to do it. So if she has the voice for it and she can do it, why not? Next up are Summit and Jenny. 
Sadna, Samit's mom, is bawling and shouting. She is absolutely devastated and heartbroken, and she's also very mad as well. After Summit just broke the news that he and Jenny are actually married against her wishes. And she's asking how Summit can do this as her family comforts her. She says Summit has put her through hell all his life. That he has made her cry all his life. She says just to please one woman, Summit is giving her so much grief. And even Summit's dad is crying. Sadna says the person who birthed him so painfully, that's the person he's hurting so much. She asks how long Sumit has even known Jenny. And Sumit tells his mom he has tried for 10 years. And he says other parents given much earlier. Sadna says parents never agree to such wrong things. She says that Jenny is twice his age. She asks if Sumit is even their son. And Summit answers yes, and his mom says no. She says it doesn't seem like Summit is their son. Sadna warns Summit he will not be invited to anything, even her funeral or his father's funeral when they pass. Jenny doesn't know what Summit's mom is saying right now, but she knows it doesn't seem good. Jenny did gather that Sadna is still denying that she ever said that she loved her, and it's very hurtful to her, she says. Sadna tells Sumit he will pay for his actions in his next life. Sumit says he feels like someone shoved their hand in his mouth to rip his heart out of his chest. His biggest fear is to be disowned by his family and he doesn't know how to exist without his mother. Without his mom in India, he would be considered an outcast. It's very important to remember that in India, the culture is very different. Families are different. Social standards are different. The relationship between a parent and a child is different. Their traditions are different and the traditions are expected to be respected and continued. So when Summit chooses to not follow tradition and to marry Jenny, an American woman who is twice his age, who can't give him kids, who's not going to live traditionally with Summit in the parents' home and all that stuff, basically within society... His parents will be a laughingstock. They will be blamed as if it was their bad parenting or their bad characters that had Summit go in such a wrong direction. And they're going to be like the, the talk of the town. They're going to be laughed at by all of their friends, by society. And Summit will be an outcast too. So when he makes this choice, it doesn't only affect him. It affects his family as well. And if Summit's mom refuses to accept him, he will be an outcast in society as well. And Samit loves his mom. He doesn't want to lose her forever for picking Jenny, the woman that he supposedly loves. Sadna warns her son not to show his face at their home. She doesn't want to see him. And Samit asks if his mom will ever accept Jenny. And she says no. Samit asks if his mom will stay in this mindset all of her life. And she says yes. She asks Sumit if he is happy with Jenny. She asks if Jenny is the one in his life. And she tells Sumit to stay happy with Jenny and to give her all the love he has. Mother's love, the sister's love, the father's love, the brother's love, the sister-in-law's love. Sadna says what love Sumit has to give to just give it all to Jenny. 
She tells Samit they do not have a need for his love or his kindness. Samit tells his mom that he needs their love. And she says from now on, he should not lay even one foot on their grounds. The sister-in-law chimes in. She asks Samit, didn't you feel even once that you needed to tell your mom that you were married? Sumit explains he didn't want to upset his mom and dad. Amit, Sumit's brother, isn't happy about this. He says it's going to be tough for his mom to handle this situation because people will make fun of her. And his wife, Shri, explains that this will have a great impact on Sadna. And she means emotionally and in society as well, of course, because Sumit's choice will be seen as a reflection of the mother that Sadna was. Sadna tells Sumit that he can choose between having Jenny or having his mom and dad. It's one or the other. Sadna says she never gave Sumit permission to marry and that now Sumit is saying all this to try and get her to agree with it. But she never will. She will never accept Jenny. Jenny says this is the reason why she didn't want Sumit's parents coming over or for Sumit to tell them that they were married because she knew his mom would get hurt and that Sumit would go after her as she is left sitting by herself. Jenny needs to understand how different the Indian culture is, and Sumit's choice to deviate from the societal standards will directly reflect on his parents and their character as people in society. Traditions are valued very highly, and the parents' relationship to the child is much different than in the U.S. or in the Western world. Sumit basically ruined his parents' standing in society. They will be mocked. Their friends will shun them. It's a very big deal. Sumit's choice affects them big time, and Sumit doesn't want his parents to have no relationship with him. He values his parents tremendously, and so naturally he will go after them to try to end on a better note. He wants to keep it open, perhaps to talking again. And the mom has a lot to process. So if he wants to comfort the mom for the way it will completely affect her life and her social circles and her social standing, because he is married to Jenny, he should. And Jenny should allow that rather than being selfish and complaining that he is leaving her alone for just a moment as he walks them to the car. That's his mom. This is breaking everyone's heart, and it's greatly affecting all of their lives. It's not only about Jenny. Jenny can wait a moment and be less selfish to allow Sumit a moment with his family. I don't think she understands how much her being with him affects other people and not just her and him. She doesn't seem to understand the cost of being with her and the price to him and his family. India isn't the United States, and all Jenny seems to think of is herself. Sumit could be losing his parents forever to be with her. She already won. He's married to her. Can she give him a second before demanding his attention? Jenny says she is sitting by herself, not knowing what's happening. She asks, but what about me? I need to be comforted too. For fuck's sake, this guy is with Jenny 24-7. He cares for her like she is his geriatric grandma, bringing her breakfast. Once he even cut her toenails for her, he sacrificed his whole family to end up her caregiver more or less in her old age. 
He picked Jenny over his family. They are married, so can't Jenny sacrifice and be a little selfless? Be just a little less needy for his attention just to allow Summit to try and deal with his parents for five minutes as he walks them to the car? This is pathetic. What about me? Listen, he married her. He's with her 24-7, like her nurse. He can comfort her in 10 minutes. I don't think Jenny has any real understanding of what is going on emotionally for Summit or his family. She only sees herself and it's super annoying. And I guess she's scared that maybe Summit will make a decision to back out of this or he will abandon her. But most likely that's not going to happen and it doesn't help her case to be very needy and selfish when he needs her to support him at this time. Jenny says it scares her that Samit is choosing his mom over her again. Samit hugs his mom. He tells her to talk to him. He asks for her blessing and he says she is not even giving him her love. Sadna says she feels like she has lost her son. Next up are Ed, the ugliest man on the planet, inside and out, and Liz. They are picking dog outfits for their dog to be a ring bearer. I can't stand Big Ed after his season with Rose and the way he treats people and the way he behaves. So I don't typically watch his scenes, but I'm going to watch them this time. Ed says he is a young 56 and Liz is 29. They have been engaged for four months. Ed struggled with love all his life until he went into a restaurant one day and he met the girl of his dreams. He says Liz fell in love with him immediately. And Liz says no, she dodged him for months when she first met Ed. He would come into her work and he was sad. And the first couple of months, he brought women into the restaurant. And it was never the same girl. But after Ed let his guard down with her, she got to know him. She got to know the real Ed and not big Ed. Ed says he was working through things when they were together. He was insecure. He was jealous. And it started to affect their ability to be in a functional relationship. Eventually, the fighting was too much. So Ed ended it and he broke up with Liz eight times via text. Only a coward would break up with someone via text. Ed says then Teddy, his dog, passed. And Liz was one of the first people to reach out to him. Liz wanted to show Ed that Teddy was loved and that he was loved. And then they got engaged. Now that Liz and Ed are engaged, they want to throw an engagement party, so today they will check out a venue. Liz knows everyone in her world is adjusting to the fact that she and Ed are getting back together and they're getting engaged. But she appreciates the support of her friends because she knows lots of people in Ed's world don't approve of the engagement. Her friends were hoping that Liz would never get back together with Ed. Her friend asks Ed, it was eight breakups. That's a lot. And she asks, what makes it different this time? Ed says most of it was his issue, so he felt like he had to grow to be with Liz. And he realized Liz was what he wanted, and he knew he could handle it. Liz adds that Ed is the one she loves, and he is the one she wants to be with. Liz says she loves Ed because despite the rough patch, Ed has shown her love in ways that she has never had with any of her previous relationships. 
Ed also shows his love for her with the love he has for her daughter. And that was the biggest thing that made Liz fall for Ed. On Ed's side of the engagement announcement, it didn't go as expected. Ed's daughter was shocked. He was upset and she alerted the whole family to her dad's engagement before Ed could even tell his family himself. Ed says his family doesn't understand that Liz is his future. Liz said bad stuff about Ed when they broke up, so they don't support the engagement. And Ed thinks they're afraid that Liz will do it again. Ed tried to reach out to his daughter, but she is not taking his calls. I know there is a lot of history with Ed, but to be frank, after Rose, when I saw his behavior, I just never watched big Ed scenes after that because I can't stand the guy. So I know there was a lot of turmoil with him, but I really don't know the details. All I know is I heard some voicemails or a recorded phone call a long time ago with Ed being very controlling and manipulative and abusive to Liz, but I never followed their relationship, so I don't know the history or the details or both sides at all. I'm going to watch his scenes this season to discuss what goes on, but I am not a fan of people who behave like him at all. Ed has known his friend Rich for 15 years, and after he and Liz got engaged, he said bad things, and Ed wants to know why Rich can't accept that Ed has chosen Liz. Ed's mom feels that Ed has picked Liz over her, and apparently Rich, Ed's ex-friend, and Ed's mom now talk daily, and that really gets under Ed's skin. Ed told his mom he is picking himself over himself, and he is in love with Liz. Ed and his mom aren't in a good place, and when his mom found out that Ed was engaged, her reaction was, you gotta be kidding me. Liz got blamed for a lot of things when she got back together with Ed, and she doesn't enjoy that. Her friend says Liz is being portrayed as the villain, and it's not fair. Liz says in the past, each time she and Ed broke up, Ed would gab about his problems to everybody, and she looked like the bad guy. And Ed's people would convince him to break up with her. So there is a fear that Ed's people will come back into his life and they may convince Ed not to be with her. Next up are Jovi and Yara. They are heading to a vineyard. Yara tells Jovi he drinks too much and she says he will need to sell his liver. I think she means buy a liver. Yara reminds Jovi how his mom told him not to date her because she thought that she will sell his organs. We learn Yara says that if Jovi cheats on her, she will cut his dick off. She says she'll sell it too. And then she says that's different from what his mom originally feared. And she says nobody would want it, so she would just throw it in the trash or feed it to some dogs. Jovi's mom was the only babysitter that they trust with Mila. But Jovi, Yara, and his mom got into an argument, and since then, they haven't been speaking. Yara tells Jovi that she knows it wasn't his intention to fight with his mom, but after the fight with her, they don't have a good relationship. The fight started with Gwen because sometimes when Jovi leaves for work for a month, she will not come by for that whole month while Jovi is away. 
Yara was crying, missing her mom, thinking how nice it would be if her mom were here. And Jovi felt like his mom was bad because she wasn't supporting Yara in his absence. Jovi talked to his mom and there was a big fight. And since the fight, Yara hasn't spoken at all to Jovi's mom and it's now been six months. Jovi doesn't agree with everything his mom or Yara have done in this situation. Jovi says he is in a very awkward position and he feels like he has to take somebody's side. But Yara says she didn't tell Jovi to talk to his mom about what she felt because she prefers not having drama. And Jovi says he talked to his mom in the end because Yara complained so many times. Yara says in her country, when you have kids, your mother-in-law and your mom come over to the house to help without you even asking. And Jovi says he feels the same way as Yara does about the situation. Yara tells Jovi she is sure that his mom loves Myla so much, but it's the fact that she knows that she had nobody besides her and she didn't come over for the whole month while Jovi was away and she was alone. This hurts Yara's feelings because she loves Jovi's mom and she really doesn't want to fight with her. Jovi feels like his mom felt like she was around too much and she drove three hours to come to their house. She thought she was doing what Jovi and Yara expected her to do. But Jovi gets where Yara is coming from when he is away for work. He knows Yara needs support from his family when he's away and that she can't do this alone. It's the first big fight Jovi has ever had with his mom and he feels bad about it. And it's important to him to fix the relationship. Yara wants to go to Europe to meet her mom and Jovi wants to go too. But he says it's not a good idea for Yara yet because she hasn't gotten her green card. Yara asks how many years she should wait for a green card. Yara has a work permit, but she doesn't have her green card yet. And if she leaves the U.S., she may not be able to come back. It's been so long and Yara sees the news in Ukraine and it's not looking good. She would love to be able to go home. Next up are Usman and Kim. Usman is 33 from Nigeria and his main job is in music, of course. Usman comes from an Islamic family, so being a musician is out of the family culture. His career goal is to become the most famous human on earth. He wants to be like Michael Jackson. Usman is successful with music, but his love life was difficult until he met Kimberly. Kim slid into his DMs. She was a super fan. So Usman invited Kim to Zanzibar so they could meet in person. Usman was once married to an American lady, baby girl Lisa, who was older than him as well, and it ended badly. And that's the reason he is taking things slow with Kim. Although Kim isn't having it. They flash back to Usman telling Kim he likes her and she tells him right off the bat she loves him. Usman also just got out of a relationship with another lady he met online, Zara. He loved her so much and he reached out to her after Kim went back to the U.S. Usman wanted to see if he still had feelings for Zara. Usman missed Kimberly after she left so he invited her to Nigeria 
and she came to Nigeria, and that was when Usman realized the love is real and Kim is the one for him. Usman appreciates the love and the loyalty and the support that Kim has for him. He says he isn't going after beauty or sexiness. He never had a connection or a relationship like the one he has with Kimberly. Kim is coming to Nigeria in a couple days. Usman's family knows about Kim, especially his mom. Usman is nervous that the family will compare Kimberly with his ex. Usman talks with Muhammad, his older brother. Usman tells him that he is bringing Kim to meet the family. Muhammad's opinion is important to the whole family. Usman is worried that his mom won't be happy with Kim. So he wants Muhammad to help him to talk to his mom to get her blessing so that he and Kim can get engaged. Muhammad asks what Usman wants with Kim. He asks if Kim comes to Nigeria, what's next for them as a couple? Usman says he is trying to bring Kim here to take her to Muhammad and his elders to get the blessing to get engaged. And after engagement, Usman will get a visa and they will get married in the U.S. Muhammad asks if Kim is Usman's age. And Usman tells Muhammad that she is 51. And he asks why Usman can't go to the U.S. to get a younger lady for himself so that he's able to have kids. Because one of the most important parts of marriage, especially in their culture, is to produce children. And Usman's mom is eager to see Usman have kids of his own. Usman tells Muhammad he is considering getting a second wife in order to have kids when he is ready for it. And Muhammad says most American women don't want their husband to marry more than one wife. And Usman says Kim is okay with it. He says Kim was married before and she has a child who has grown and she can't deny Usman that joy and happiness of having his own kids. So she won't stop him. And Muhammad asks if Usman is sure about this, and Usman is very sure. Muhammad says he doesn't know what makes Usman follow American women. He says Usman is getting older now, and if he doesn't find another lady from Nigeria who will birth his kids, Muhammad doesn't think his mom will support this. Muhammad asks Usman who would become the first wife. He asks which wife would come first. Usman says he plans in the future to marry a younger lady in order to have kids. But as for now, the first wife is Kim because he hasn't even met the wife he will marry to birth him his kids. Muhammad asks how long it will be till Usman starts having kids. And Usman says it depends on when he meets the lady. He says they have to know each other and they have to love each other. And the love part is the most difficult thing. Muhammad tells Usman not to forget that he is getting older. Usman tells Muhammad he can make more of an effort. So Muhammad agrees to see if their mom is going to agree with this. Usman hopes that taking a second wife will help his family allow him to marry Kimberly because he can't get engaged without his family's blessing, especially his mom. If Usman's family says no, he will not get engaged to Kim. So Usman isn't sure what will happen with his relationship with Kim. Next up are Bilal and Shida. Bilal is worried about the meeting with his ex-wife. 
He says Shida has a defensive demeanor and it's important to check those emotions. If Shida and his ex-wife can't put their differences aside, Bilal doesn't know if they will ever get along. And he says he can't have a toxic environment for his children. Shida asks if Bilal is okay. She says she feels like every time she brings up the conversation she had with his ex-wife, he doesn't want to hear it. And Bilal thinks peace is vital for him. He says in the car, Shida made it seem like it only matters if she has peace. And he wonders, what about the peace for himself? Shida tells Bilal he can't get upset with how she feels. She says Shahida insinuated that she is here for the wrong reasons, to take what Bilal has. And she thought it was best that they sign a prenup. But she won't take any food away from her kids' mouths. Shida says Shahida's approach was very aggressive. She feels that Shahida tried to bully her and she asks, why? Because Shahida has the upper hand as the American woman, so she shouldn't bully her. Shida says it's not right and it's not fair. She said she won't allow anyone to bully her or to take advantage of her ever again in her life. Bilal told his ex-wife that she overstepped the friendship boundary with Shida. And she was just trying to look out for Bilal's well-being and his best interests, as well as look out for their kids. The producer asked Shahida, his ex-wife, if she plans on apologizing to Shida. And she responds, apologize for what? Shida mentions to Shahida that she felt disrespected when she came to her home. Shahida asks what she said to make Shida hurt and upset. Shida says it's not what she said, it's how she said it. Shida says Shahida was aggressive and she had rage. I mean, I watched that scene and Shahida did overstep her boundary by asking about the prenup for sure, but I wouldn't say that she had a lot of rage or that she bullied Shida at all. It wasn't her place to mention the prenup perhaps, but what I call the conversation they had rage or intense aggression coming from Shahida in that conversation, not really. Or would I say that Shida was bullied? Not really. Even though I will agree that it wasn't Shahida's place to mention all that stuff. Shahida asks Shida if she yelled at her and Shida says she doesn't know if Shahida sees herself when she is angry, but it was not so peaceful. Shida says Shahida came with boxing gloves on. Shahida says she won't sit here and stand for this because she didn't do that. Shida says that's the tone she hears and she says, see how that aggression is now coming out of you? Shida is trying to intentionally press Shahida's buttons. If I was Shahida, I wouldn't even engage this. Shida says Shahida wants to be a victim. She wants to get away with her bad behavior and Shida isn't going to put it to rest. She wants Shahida to acknowledge that she hurt her feelings and apologize and move on. Shida says she isn't going to let Shahida play her out to be a liar when she isn't lying. Shida isn't lying per se. I think she is just oversensitive and she perceives things way too harshly. I think there's a cultural difference um, between America and Trinidad. And I think Americans are very direct. And I acknowledge that Shahida brought up the prenup and maybe she came on too strong and it wasn't her place to bring up the prenup in that way. 
Shahida was direct, but she didn't bully Shida, and it wasn't as aggressive as Shida wants to make it seem. She took it as a deep insult, personally, from Shahida to her when it's not. And Shahida maybe came on too strong, but I also understand that she wanted to make sure her kids were protected. She addressed this when it wasn't necessarily her place. I'll agree with that, okay. But was she a bully or hostile to Shida in her home? No. And I think Shida wants to manipulate it to seem that way. Shida is very sensitive about things too. I think that they are both wrong. Shida is overly sensitive about things and Shahida brought up the prenup in the wrong way. I don't think Shahida is a bully just because she came on too strong. Shida should have said if she was uncomfortable with the conversation at all that that it's not your business. I don't want to discuss the prenup. But I assure you, I will not want your kid's money and I will sign a document once Bilal and I figure out what's best for both of us. But beyond that, I can't discuss it. That's all I can say. But I assure you, I will definitely make sure that your kids are protected. I have no interest in taking what's theirs. Bilal says that as people sometimes, we may do things or say things that another person may perceive differently. Shida says Shahida came in ranting and raving. She felt she never wanted Shahida coming back. In fact, she was ready to ban Shahida from the house. Uh, that's way too extreme. I mean, she's the mother of Bilal's kids. Bilal says the conversation is an argument now, and he isn't saying much because he wants to stay neutral so he can get along with his ex-wife since they have children together and they want it to be peaceful. And he also wants to support his wife. Bilal tells them both that they are grown adults and there shouldn't be any bad blood. Shida says she was hoping they could be cordial. She wants Shahida to acknowledge that she came to her home with rage and that she wasn't cordial or polite in her home. Shahida says it's not true and she won't apologize for something she did not do. She came to clear the air, but she is not apologizing. Shida tells Shahida that she is done and Shahida tells Bilal he better get her because he knows this will get real left real quick. Shida tells Bilal no, he better get Shahida as Shahida gets up to leave. Next up are Libby and Andre. Libby says the party is going well except for the awkward grilling about her wanting to do nursery rhymes. But other than that, it's been a great night. Jen says the party went okay because Charlie wasn't there with them. And Andre jokes that it went well because Jen kept her mouth shut. Libby's mom says that if Charlie were invited, he would not have been an issue. And Jen tells her mom that she is in La La Land. Libby's mom tells Andre that she thinks he and Charlie need to bury the hatchet. And Andre says no, not until Charlie gets help for his issues. He has no interest in doing that. Libby's mom asks what the issues are. And Andre says alcohol issues. And Libby's mom points out that everyone here at the party was drinking alcohol. And Andre asks if they have been aggressive while drinking. And Jen asks if they had abused the alcohol at the party. Andre tells Libby's mom that she is advocating for the wrong person. Andre says Charlie drinks every day and it's a major problem that will end badly for everyone. 
Andre isn't meeting with Charlie again. He says he tried once before. He isn't doing it again. Andre tells Libby's mom that no one drinks as much as Charlie. And she says that Andre and Charlie drank from morning to evening in Moldova. Andre says she is insulting him right now. He says he doesn't drink every day. And Libby's mom says Andre acts different and the alcohol affects Charlie different. Andre says there is a denial problem going on, and he says Charlie has major issues in his life, and his mom is covering for her son and denying it. Jen says Charlie will never come to the realization that he has a problem if people around him enable him. Jen is shocked that for once, she and Andre are agreeing on the Charlie issue. She says Andre isn't blood-related, so he can see it for what it is. And Becky says it's refreshing to have someone else see it too, who can help prove to their parents that they need to wake up about Charlie. Libby's mom thinks Andre and Charlie are the same person because they are both very alpha male. She wants them to work through their issues and she hopes the family can come together to help Charlie. Andre isn't willing to help Charlie, and he says Charlie isn't welcome in his house. And he tells Libby's mom she won't be welcome if she doesn't listen to him and if she remains in denial. And he says if her mom puts Andre in the same category as Charlie, she will not be welcome. Andre says talking to Libby's mom is like talking to a brick wall. Next up is Kimberly. She is picking up her son from the airport. He is coming to visit his mom before she goes to Nigeria. Kim's biggest life accomplishment is her son Jamal, but her relationship with her ex-husband was so toxic, and she never told Jamal this until he was older, and Jamal was shocked when he learned the truth. He wondered how Kim put up with it, and Kim says she tolerated it because She wanted her son to have a stable family environment. Kim lives with her 78-year-old mom. She takes care of her, and they always butt heads. Kim hasn't told her mom or Jamal that she is planning to propose to Usman. She knows Jamal hasn't been supportive of her relationship, so she doesn't know what's going to happen. She tells her mom and son about going to Nigeria to propose, and to apply for the K-1 visa to bring Usman to the United States. Jamal says the man is supposed to propose, and Kim says she has seen women propose before. They will be engaged for a while anyways because the paperwork takes a long time, and then they can get married in the U.S. Kim wants to get Jamal's approval before she goes to Nigeria, but she can understand Jamal's doubts about her relationship with Usman especially after the tell-all when Kim was surprised by the fact that Usman FaceTimed with Zara. Kim was pissed when she first heard about Zara, but she thinks that tell-all made them stronger. Usman apologized to her, and the only reason she gave Usman another shot is because she loved him. Jamal points out that it's only Kim's third trip to go see Usman, and she is already talking about marriage. Jamal feels like after Usman called Zara when his mom left, he expected better from him, but he never trusted Usman. 
He says his mom expects him to feel completely comfortable with this. And she expects him to support her. But Jamal doesn't see enough reasons for his mom and Usman to get engaged now. He says it seems like his mom has already had this planned. And Jamal feels left out. Kim's mom just wants Kim to be happy. She says she is. And Jamal has a great point. He asks his mom, if Usman already makes you happy with how things are, then why do you want to push it and get married? And Kim says the marriage part is because she loves Usman and she wants to show him that she loves him, just as he has shown her. Kim's mom doesn't want it to be a one-way street. And Kim says it's not a one-way street. Kim says her mom sees it when she talks to Usman. And her mom says she has to see it when they are together in person. Kim's adorable mom, Sally, says she has never seen Kim so in love, other than way back in high school. And she doesn't want to see her daughter get hurt because when Kim puts her heart into something, she puts it in all the way. Kim tells her son and her mom that she wants their support so bad. But she can't bring Usman here so they can see what a great guy he is. For them to see how great Usman is, she has to bring him to the U.S. And she says in order to do that, they have to be engaged. Jamal points out that Usman needs a visa to get here. And if they get married, he will get one. And Jamal says a light bulb just went off for him. And Kim asks him if he thinks Usman is with her for that. And Jamal says he didn't say it out loud. Kim says it's not like Usman is scamming her to get the K-1. She says she brought the K-1 up to him. And Jamal just shakes his head skeptically. I think he knows his mom is being used and that she isn't getting what she deserves. Kim asks Jamal if he thinks that she is dumb. I wonder if Jamal knows about the second wife thing yet. Jamal advises that he doesn't think his mom should rush over there and propose to Usman. Kim feels in her heart this is what she wants to do. You can feel a lot of stuff in your heart that doesn't jive with your mind or critical thinking, though. Is there nothing in Kim's mind telling her, alert, alert, red flag, red flag? Wait till Jamal knows about the second wife. Kim mentions that she will go meet Usman's mom and she has to get her blessing first before getting engaged because that's their culture. Jamal says it's crazy and Kim's mom asks, what if Kim doesn't get Usman's mom's blessing? Kim doesn't know yet, she says, and her mom says this is all ridiculous. Kim says Usman loves her and Jamal asks, what does Usman do to show that? And Kim says, just being with him the way he is with her. Jamal says one of his biggest concerns is he doesn't really know Usman. He has had just a few conversations with him, and he says Usman is an entertainer. He knows how to get people on his side. He knows the right thing to say. And Jamal hopes his mom can figure out what is true and what is not. Jamal says he has seen his mom get her heart broken way too many times to count. He says this kind of relationship is 100% not normal. It's a big risk and more risk than reward in his eyes. Kim says she is 51 now and she wants to live her life the way she thinks that she should live it 
without judgment from other people. Kim says if she wants to go marry Usman, it's all on her. Yes, but it will be on her son and her mom and on her friends to pick up the pieces if her stupid decisions leave her with her heart smashed to bits. So really, it will end up on them. Kim says she will do what she wants regardless of Jamal's opinion. And she says the love doesn't stop because of others' approval or disapproval. Kim asks if she should just stop loving Usman and walk away. Kim says she has sacrificed so much for others that she wonders why can't she just be happy now. She tells her mom and her son that she just wants to be happy and she doesn't think there is anything wrong with that. Jovi and Yara are up next. Yara wants a boob job to feel more confident and Jovi says he likes the way she looks and his opinion is the only one that matters. Jovi thinks Yara could improve her boobs, but he also thinks that she is doing it because of her friends and not because of herself. Jovi says Yara's life has gotten better because she has friends. She went through depression, but he feels like if it wasn't her friends influencing her, then Yara would have asked for a boob job sooner and not after she started hanging out with these girls. Jovi wants to be understanding, but he hopes that Yara's friends don't influence her negatively. Back to Bilal and Shida, as Shida and Shahida raise their voices and Shida calls Shahida a bully, Bilal starts praying at the table for God to keep the devil away. Shahida leaves and she tells Bilal she won't do this because Shida doesn't know her. And Shida tells Shahida she doesn't know her either. Shahida threatens to reach across the table if Bilal doesn't get Shida. And Shida tells Shahida, that's the way you want to conduct yourself as a Muslim woman? Shida tells Shahida this is no example for her daughter. Bilal is speechless. You can tell he's in his depressed mode where he totally shuts down. Bilal has no words for how things went. Bilal doesn't know what will happen now or what to do. Shida says if Shahida would have come open-minded with the humility to apologize, she would have let it go and they could be friends. Shida doesn't feel good right now because she knows Bilal is super upset. But Shida is proud that she stood up for herself and she was very diplomatic. Shida says Shahida threatened her and if the relationship is going to be toxic, she does not need that in her life. Bilal says he is so, so angry right now in confessional. He says things happen, but for them to even happen in public, it makes it more embarrassing. He says if he starts talking right now, he may say something he will regret. Back to Kim and Usman. Kim shows viewers the ring that she will use to propose to Usman. She also has a shirt on with a picture of Usman on it. She is leaving tomorrow to go to Nigeria. Usman is taking Kim to meet his family, and it's a huge step in their relationship. Kim FaceTimes Usman, and she asks if he notices anything different as she smiles really big. And Usman says, it's shiny. She asks if Usman will kiss her now in public, and he says yes. Kim says when Usman brought up the teeth thing, she was really hurt. But she didn't realize how yellow her teeth were until she got them whitened. She says her teeth looked like butter. And even though she was hurt, she hopes on this trip that Usman is more affectionate with her in public. 
She tells Usman she spoke to her mom and her son, so now everybody knows that she is coming to meet his mom and his family. She says her family were concerned, but she tells Usman she doesn't need Jamal's support or her friend's support to marry him because she will do herself regardless. Usman says this is a cultural difference. He says in Africa, you let your parent tell you what to do. Even as a grown child, your parents tell you what to do. Usman's family knows that Kim is coming, and Kim asks if Usman has concerns, and he thinks about it all the time because of what happened last time with his previous marriage. So he says his family may not understand about Kim so easily. Usman says Kim meeting his family will be tough, but he needs his mom's blessing, and if he doesn't get his mom's blessing, then they have to do everything they can to get the blessing because if they don't have his mom's blessing, he can't get married to her. He says if his family says yes, they can think about proposing and an engagement then. Kim says she is used to family involvement, but she will be damned if she asks anyone to approve her 51-year-old self for anything, she says. She says if they don't get Usman's mom's blessing, it will end their relationship as boyfriend and girlfriend, and she won't let that happen without a fight. She says even though she has tried to show Jamal what the relationship with Usman means to her, he is refusing to give her any type of approval. So this is her last chance to get Jamal's blessing before she goes off to Nigeria. Kim holds up a signed Soja Boy shirt with Usman on it, And she asks if Jamal wants to wear it, and he responds that he would rather burn it. She is packing a nightgown, and her son sees it, and he asks if Kim is actually wearing that. And he tells his mom that she is disgusting. She says she isn't disgusting, but her son just doesn't like to think of her as his mom getting yammy. And Jamal says he thinks he threw up in his mouth a little. Did Jamal see all the scenes where his mom begged Usman for sex? Kim asks for some positivity from Jamal. And Jamal feels like he has been very positive. He says for one, he didn't burn the red nightgown she just showed him. And he never told her not to go. He just said maybe not to propose to a man she barely knows. Kim says she loves him and she doesn't know why it's hard for people to understand. She says he loves her too. Everyone knows he doesn't love her and that Kim is so desperate to have this love that she fantasizes about in her mind. She's desperate to have that fantasy be real. And she is so desperate that she is ignoring every red flag to the point of being willing to let Usman have a second wife to have kids with. Everyone around Kim knows this is stupid and that this will end badly and that Kim wears her heart on her sleeve. They know this isn't exactly the right fit, but it's like Kim is an addict waiting for her drug because this love makes her feel good about herself. But it's not real and if Usman wants kids and she can't do it, it's ridiculous to then allow for a second wife for kids just so he can marry her. It's just too much. It's not practical or rational at all, in my opinion. Kim insists that she and Usman have a deep connection, 
that Jamal doesn't know because he hasn't met him. And Jamal asks Kim if she doesn't find it concerning that Usman was in the same situation with his ex, where she was also an older white woman who planned on getting Usman a green card. And now it's the same situation, except it hasn't been that long. Jamal asks why Usman picked her. In my opinion, because Kim is desperate and gullible and vulnerable, and she believes if she has love, it will fix everything in her life and give her all her worth and all her happiness. So I think Usman knows that he can play with Kim and say the right things to get what he wants from her. She's an easy target, and she wears her heart on her sleeve. She could be easily manipulated, in my opinion. But Kim says maybe Usman picked her because he thought she was pretty. Or maybe because he thought she was nice. No, he thought Kim was an optimal target to manipulate to get what he wants out of the situation, in my opinion. I think Usman is using Kim, and Kim is also using Usman to fulfill the fantasy in her head. Jamal says he is sure that Usman gets lots of attention from women. And Kim says Usman didn't have to respond to her. She thinks maybe Usman just has a type. Yes, older, so they are desperate and gullible enough to fall for bullshit. Kim says Usman told her that he likes older women and his friends told her that too. Jamal asks, so Usman has never said what his type is? And Kim says Usman has told her himself that he likes curvy, older, white American women. Kim says she has a type. She dates black men. And Jamal says Kim never dates someone this young, though. He says Usman is almost his age, and he asks his mom if she thought about that. Jamal says if his mom and Usman got engaged, Usman would be able to come to the U.S. and he could make his brand bigger, But for his mom, he doesn't think too much would change. Jamal doesn't feel like the give and take is even in the relationship. Kim wishes Usman could come to the U.S. so Jamal could get to know him. And Jamal points out that Usman can't come here unless she marries him. Kim says it sounds to her like Jamal thinks that Usman is in it for the green card. Jamal says he didn't say that and Kim says... She loves Usman, and she wants to see him succeed in America. Kim thinks that Usman's music is good and that he's talented enough, and she asks, why not bring it here? Jamal asks if the marriage is more like a business decision. Kim says no, it's not just that, but it would help him in his career to come to America. She says she loves Usman, and he loves her. It would be a real marriage. Kim says Usman is with her because he loves her. He isn't with her just for a K-1. Kim 100% believes in Usman's music career, and bringing him to the States would elevate his career. Kim doesn't think now she will propose until after she meets Usman's mom, because everyone put thoughts in her head. So she needs to make sure everything is everything, before she proposes, and she assures Jamal she may not propose, but she is prepared. She appreciates the honesty, and she knows Jamal will support her. Jamal says he will support her, but he won't always support her decisions. 
Jamal thinks his mom feels like she wants to prove everyone wrong, that it's a good relationship. So she will ignore the red flags and she will ignore the tough questions. He doesn't even think his mom is asking herself those tough questions. He says she wants to live in a fantasy that everything will be fine. She will do what she thinks is best for her and Jamal will be there for his mom whatever decision she makes, for better or worse. Next up is Big Ed. He is going to meet his estranged friend. His friend says he is trying to protect Ed, but Ed wonders from what? Richard was Ed's friend for 15 years, and when he found out that Ed and Liz were back together and engaged, he turned his back on Ed. It's been four months since Ed has seen Rich. Rich had a huge impact on Ed breaking up with Liz in the past. Rich doesn't approve of their relationship because Ed and Liz did a lot of shitty things to each other and Rich is still stirring up trouble with Ed's family and friends. Ed wants his relationship with Liz to be successful and he says Rich needs to get on the train or jump off. They are meeting in a park at night. Ed says he feels like he's doing a drug deal. It is a little weird for two grown men to meet at a park at night, but I mean... Rich thinks Liz is an opportunist. She isn't here for the right reasons, and that was his reaction when he found out they got engaged. Rich says he knows Ed wants him to be happy for him. Rich asks Ed if he is sure that Liz is the person he wants to be with, a person who tried to destroy him. Ed asks what about what he did to her. He says after six months of therapy and a total separation, he realized he wants to be with Liz. Ed says when he told Rich he was engaged, it was just all hate. Rich says it came out of the blue. And Ed says it was out of the blue for him, too. And Rich tells Ed that he's impulsive. Ed says he chooses Liz, and Rich can't accept it. He is choosing Liz over everyone, he says. His mom doesn't accept her. His daughter doesn't accept her. Ed says his mom gives him the guilt trip. Rich says his mom called him yesterday. And Ed says it's weird that Rich and his mom call each other. Rich doesn't think it's weird because he and Ed were very close friends. And Ed says Rich and his mom were close when they were friends. But now that he and Liz are back together, Rich and his mom have formed a new level of a relationship. They talk every day. And Ed asks, who talks to somebody else's mom on a daily basis? Ed thinks it's weird. Ed says him being with Liz won't hurt Rich or his daughter or his mom. Rich asks Ed if he can help his mom, and Ed says he has done everything that he can for her. Rich disagrees. Ed needs Rich to stop putting ideas in his mom's head. It's impeding their relationship, and Ed is very worried that, God forbid, should something happen to his mom, who is elderly, he wouldn't want her leaving this world being mad at him. Ed tells Rich that he can't be around him until he accepts Liz. And Rich says after 15 years of friendship, it's hard to swallow. He says he looks into Ed's eyes and he knows 
He isn't talking to his friend. He thinks Ed is being influenced. Ed isn't the same guy, and he says it's Ed's life, and Ed has to figure it out. Ed gives Rich an ultimatum. Rich can either accept that he is marrying Liz, or they can both go their separate ways as friends. Ed says Richard has been important to him in his life, and he trusted Rich more than he trusted his own brother. It's hard to have a conversation with someone that will end their friendship, most likely. He says if he wants his relationship with Liz to work, he doesn't have a choice. Ed says he is risking everything. He has no one. He is all in with Liz. Back to Jenny and Samit, Jenny has nothing to say. And Samit tells Jenny, this is really bad. Jenny gets up aggressively yelling like a banshee for no reason. Very aggressively, very angrily, very loudly, very selfishly. She's only worrying about herself. She shouts, this is bad. Do what the fuck you want to do. And Samit asks why Jenny is yelling at him. And Jenny says she knows he will go with his parents and leave her by herself. She says they speak in Hindi and she doesn't know what they are saying when they're speaking. And Samit doesn't tell her in English what is being said. She is yelling aggressively. When Samit doesn't deserve this, it's crazy. Jenny is yelling with so much aggression that it literally looks like she's expelling a demon from her mouth. She shouts, you don't think I need to be comforted? You think I'm fine? Do you think everything is okay with me? Why can't she be less selfish and ask Samit how he is? He just lost his whole family. He married Jenny. What else does she want? Jenny asks why everyone thinks it's okay for her to sit here and take all of this abuse. It looks to me like she's being a little abusive to Samit with her tone of voice and her shouting. Samit tells Jenny she is overreacting, and he is right. Jenny says Samit telling his parents that they got married turned out exactly as she knew it would. It was a disaster. She knew his parents would react the way they did. She knew that Samit was going to take off after them and that she would be left sitting here all alone. Jenny says Samit needs to think about how she is feeling because now she's his wife. The same could be said about her. Samit is her husband. He sacrificed a lot in losing his family to choose her. Can Jenny be a little less selfish and a little more supportive of her husband's predicament? This is very immature behavior from a much older lady. Jenny feels that Samit's loyalty should be with her. His loyalty is with Jenny, for fuck's sake. He married her. So why can't she get it through her head that he is loyal to her? And why can't he, as his wife, try and understand the price he will pay, the price his family will pay in society in India because he chose her? She could maybe support Samit since his mom just basically disowned him. In India, the parent-child relationships are much more sacred. So this is like a death or something for Samit. And there are major social consequences for Samit and for his family too because he chose to marry Jenny. So Jenny could be less selfish for a minute and a little more giving and supportive towards Samit. Samit shouts that he needs to pamper Jenny now like every time when she gets mad. 
Jenny shoves Samit aggressively and she tells him to get the fuck away from her for forever. She asks, do you think I'm not fucking hurting? And Samit asks Jenny if she needs to behave like this right now. She asks, why doesn't Samit care about her too? Samit asks, who said that he doesn't care? Samit tells Jenny she was here to support him. And Samit tells her he has no problem with her, but he asks her not to behave like that, shouting aggressively, shouting angrily, shoving him, getting in his face. Samit says Jenny has her emotions and she should have them, but she should not take her frustration out on him. Samit says the situation is getting worse. His mom disowned him, so he needs Jenny's support. He needs to know she will be there for him because he just sacrificed his family for the woman he loves, and she is screaming at him and it's not acceptable. Jenny explains when Samit was sitting there talking with his parents, she can't understand what was being said. And Samit says it was his fault. He says he was trying. And Jenny shouts, can I talk? And she says she was sitting here imagining what was being said with no clue. Jenny says this hurts her too. And she asks Samit why he thinks it's easy for her. Samit tells Jenny she had an option not to come. Jenny says she came for him. Samit says when he needs her support, she just starts yelling at him about not going to her or not taking care of her. Says he doesn't care what she feels. And Samit says he does care and that's why he fought with everyone and that's why he married her. And that's why he keeps on trying with his parents to make them understand that he loves her. Jenny says she knows Samit loves her and she says they have spent their entire relationship trying to convince his parents to let them be together. Jenny thought this would be over when they got married. Jenny thought she would be more of a priority to Samit once they got married. But it seems that she isn't. And Jenny is starting to wonder if that is ever going to change. Samit says Jenny wasn't as upset as his parents were. And Jenny shouts, that's because she sat there quietly. So he doesn't know how she is feeling. Samit says it's not just hard for her. Jenny says she is upset that his parents hate her. She says it's not easy for her. Samit wants Jenny to try and understand the situation that he was in instead of yelling at him. Samit says he and Jenny are married now and relationship partners support each other. Samit says he gives up a lot in the relationship and he needs to know that Jenny is also there for him. Jenny is way too selfish and needy to be able to be there for Sumit in this moment or to be able to understand the effect of their relationship on Sumit and his whole family. Sumit says in the future he may not have his family or anybody else. He may only have Jenny. Next time on 90 Day Fiancé, Angela says the biggest challenge their marriage is facing is that shady shit Michael is doing. Michael is scaring her, so Angela had to find support in new people. And she's FaceTiming with some other guy. Jovi talks to his mom. He says he has to go to work for a month and Yara is alone. So he wants his mom to understand that Yara needs her support. Yara wants to make up with Jovi's mom 
and Jovi wants Yara to have someone to help her while he is away at work. Jovi's mom loves being a grandma, but she says she is nobody's nanny. Kim tells Usman, as far as the second wife thing, he doesn't want the second wife to be in the same city as she is. She thinks it would be better if they are separated. Usman says if he is in Nigeria with his second wife when Kim comes, she doesn't want to be around the second wife, he asks. He says Kim doesn't want to be around her, and he tells her to come on because they are both sharing the same dick. Kim says she already doesn't want that mental image in her head. And now Usman said something like that. Kim says she almost threw this whole plate at Usman right now. And Usman looks super pissed. Because remember when Kim threw water at him? Bilal is depressed. He is in bed and he tells Shida he is really disappointed in her. She really disappointed him yesterday. And Shida feels like all the fingers are pointing her way. Shida cries. She says she doesn't see herself as doing anything wrong. Jenny tells Samit she just knew that he was going to go after his parents and she was going to be left sitting there by herself. Samit says his first duty was to comfort his parents. Jenny says Samit needs to decide between his parents or their happiness. Ed is taking pictures of a model with Liz there. He tells the model it's a lot easier when your subject is beautiful. Liz says it looks like the model has no neck. And Ed tells Liz, babe, you're the student. I'm training you. And Liz tells Ed he wasn't training her the whole time. He was training the model. Liz doesn't feel like Ed is being a good partner right now. Liz tells Ed he isn't listening to how she feels. And she says Ed really pisses her off as she walks away from the photo shoot. That does it for this episode of Happily Ever After. I'll see you next week for the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.